Today, I'd like to give a shout out to my friends at GI Pro Health. A lot of you are already familiar with GI Pro Health. They have a large list of high quality vitamins, supplements, probiotics, and a very extensive list of vitamin supplements and probiotics that are legal on the specific carbohydrate diet. If you go there, you'll see that they have on the side of the page a menu where you can click and see all of the SCD legal products that they have, including yogurt starter. You can find them at giprohealth.com. That's G-I-P-R-O-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com. They also ship to Europe. They are shipping to Canada, although because of COVID, Canadian orders are delayed. You can always give them a call and find out more about their shipping processes to Canada. Just want to mention that one of the things that I respect most about GI Pro Health is that all of their products are sent through a rigorous testing procedure, both during and before and after the manufacturing process. All of their batches are tested for up to one year for strength and longevity. They are at 100% potency when you receive them. Go to their webpage, read more about them, check them out. I'm sure you'll be glad you did. Welcome to the SCD Specific Carbohydrate Diet Podcast. If something has been eating at you or eating at your gut, then I have good news for you. The specific carbohydrate diet, also known as the SCD, has helped countless people with a wide variety of health issues improve their quality of life. It's also a great way to eat if you just want to go grain-free or stay away from processed foods. Here, you'll find interviews with SCD experts as well as everyday people who actively follow the program, and you'll get tips to help you enjoy living the SCD, including resources, recipes, and more. I'm your host, Lee Bernstein. I live with gut issues. I live with autoimmune issues. And after trying many nutrition protocols, I found that the SCD is what works for me. If that's the same for you, or if you're looking to find out if it is, then let's enjoy living SCD together. I'm not an expert. I'm not a doctor. Nothing on this show is ever medical advice. I'm just someone who's thankful that the specific carbohydrate diet works. I'm thankful that it's given me my life back, and I'm especially thankful and excited about being here with you today. So if you're ready, let's begin. Hi, everyone. Welcome. I'm so glad you're here. This is Episode 8 of the SCD-Specific Carbohydrate Diet Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about all things honey. If you follow the specific carbohydrate diet, you already know that honey is what we use to sweeten foods or drinks. And there's a lot to learn about it. It's absolutely fascinating. So I've brought in Blake Shook, who's the owner and chief executive officer of Desert Creek Honey in McKinney, Texas. You can find him online at desertcreekhoney.com. He oversees a commercial beekeeping company there. He also has a packing company, a retail supplies company. He is super conscientious about everything COVID right now. And um, I'm I always feel very confident getting honey from him. He has spent almost his entire life becoming an expert in beekeeping. 
He serves on the executive board of the American Beekeeping Federation, also known as ABF. He also serves on the National Honey Board, and he is chair for membership and marketing for the ABF. He's also the president of the Texas Beekeepers Association. He's known for presentations that he's given at conferences locally, statewide, nationally, also on the international level. And he's a fascinating person to listen to. So much about honey and so much about bees, and you are going to enjoy this. Welcome, Blake. Thank you so much for being with us on the show today. How you doing? Great, Lee. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm thrilled to get started. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you know, I want to hear all about honey, and we're going to go into so much detail today, detail that people really need to know about. There, as, as everyone listening probably knows, honey is a great contributing factor in the specific carbohydrate diet. That is the sweetener that we use, and it's one that we all love. And people need to understand the importance of finding really good honey, honey that is absolutely legal on the specific carbohydrate diet. But before we get into all of that, I want to hear a little bit about how you got involved in beekeeping. Where did this all start? <laughs> great, great question. It, it's not it's not a common job. It's a pretty unique career path <laughs> for sure. Um, and you know, it started when I was a little kid, when I was about twelve. And it, it's it's not a real common hobby for a twelve year old either. But uh, when I was <clears throat> when I was twelve, I was convinced that I wanted to be a chicken farmer. That was my passion at, at twelve years old. And I told my parents that uh, I'm going to build it in their backyard. And they, I think, believed me and said, we've got to get this kid onto something other than building a chicken farm in the backyard. So uh, so they uh, said, well, let's let's expand his horizons a bit. And, and instead, I landed on beekeeping. And so now I've got bees in their backyard. So I'm not sure which one was worse for them. But, uh, but I, I, I took a beginning beekeeping class when I was about 12 years old. They absolutely fascinated me. I, I just completely fell in love with bees and beekeeping. And the more I learned about them, the more I loved it. And so I really started adding to my hives through high school. And it was just a hobby that I was very passionate about. But I, I kept getting more and more bees. It's kind of addicting. And then all of a sudden, local health food stores and feed stores were calling saying, hey, you've got local honey, right? We need, we'd love to carry it. And so I said, well, sure. And, and I started selling them honey. And, and before I knew it, by the time I graduated high school, I was making a living. And, wow. and so I, I moved full-time into beekeeping right out of high school and, and never really looked back since. So how many years ago was that? That was that was too many years ago. That that was that was about eighteen years ago. That was about eighteen years. You've ago. been doing this. You have been doing this for. I have. If you if you take in the time that you've actually been doing it as a real business, and then you add in the time that you've been doing it since you were a kid, that's quite the consummate expert at this point. Do you feel that way about yourself? <laughs> well, the funny thing about bees is that they are great at humbling you. And so every time <laughs> I feel like an expert, they teach me something new. So uh, I, I, I sort of know what I'm doing, but the bees frequently prove me wrong. But, uh, but I, I know enough to get in trouble, that's for sure. It's funny how Mother Nature does that, isn't it? The minute you think really Mother Nature figured out, something comes up to <laughs> So true. So we're going to start with 
all about honey. And then we're going to move into a little bit about beekeeping and some other topics about about honey. What is the advantage, first of all, of using honey over sugar? You know, sugar is uh, strictly prohibited on the specific carbohydrate diet. Honey is allowed. Now, from my standpoint, one of the reasons why it's so beautiful is because it's a monosaccharide, and the specific carbohydrate diet bases itself on the consumption of monosaccharides because they're easy to digest. Talk to me about other advantages of honey over sugar. Well, that that's a huge one. I mean, the one you just hit on is is massive. Um, it tend honey tends to have a, a lower glycemic index as well, which is a big plus. Um, you know, always consult your doctor. Of course, uh, I'm not certainly a doctor, but a lot of our customers are diabetics, and uh, they're able to eat more honey than they could table sugar. And it's it's more similar to a sugar found in fruits. And so uh, that's a huge plus. The other big thing is that honey has just a myriad of other things in it that sugar does not. You know, it's loaded with real honey is loaded with vitamins, minerals. It's got pollen in it. Pollen has all the amino acids. Pollen is a, a real superfood and, you know, real raw unfiltered honey still has a tremendous amount of pollens, which I'm sure we'll talk about in, in just a minute. And beyond that, you know, it's, it's, it's just a wonderful way to support bees. It's a wonderful way to support beekeepers. And it's a, it's really the only truly natural sugar in that you can open up a beehive, dip your finger in and eat the honey. And it is no different in that form all the way to the bottle. We don't change it at all. All we do is get it out of the honeycomb. Any other sweeteners, whether it's, you know, monk fruit or stevia or cane sugar has to be highly, highly processed. You know, you're taking a, a plant and you're turning it into a powder. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. Highly processed to make that happen. Honey is straight from the flowers, straight into the hive, straight into the bottle. It doesn't go bad either, does it? If you're, Never. If, as they long as you it, keep it no. in its pure yes. form. They found. I mean, it in haven't Egyptian they opened up two? In, yeah, Egyptian <laughs> yes. tombs where they have found honey, and it's still edible. Exactly, still perfectly edible. Well, one of the things that you mentioned when you were doing that description was quote real honey, and hmm. that to me is one of the most important things that we really need to hit on in this interview today, because there are you know all of you if you are going to your little local store and buying that little honey bear that has a little bit of honey in it, chances are you're not really getting real honey. And even with some honeys that seem like they are real honey, you might not be getting real honey. So Blake, if you'd be so kind, what should a consumer look for when they purchase honey? Um, like to also talk about the difference in raw honey versus most of the honey found in grocery stores. It, it's such an important question. You know, honey ties uh, for the number two spot for the most lied about food product in the United States. What's number one? Uh, number one is olive oils. I knew you were going to say <laughs> We need to do a show on olive oil too. Yes, I'll, have to, I'll have to find <laughs> Absolutely. an expert. Okay, I love sorry to interrupt. Oil. Yeah, no, no, that's a good one. So, uh, and then honey and fish tie for number two. And okay. so fish is a huge one. Uh, honey is a huge one. And so, you know, it, it's confusing, right? I mean, there's so many product labels in a grocery store. But what I always encourage people to do when they're making food choices is look at the the most 
risky or not even the most risky, but the most lied about food products and really pay attention to those. So fishes, olive oil, and then honey. And so you've really got to watch the labels. And that's the most one of the most important things you can do is just really read the label. There's a few important facts that consumers need to be aware of. One is that in the United States, we consume about 600 million pounds of honey a year. Wow. In the United States, we only produce about 150 million pounds a year. So the vast majority of honey consumed is imported from overseas. Now, some honey imported is okay. It's not necessarily bad honey if it's imported, but a lot of it is. A lot of honey comes from China, is transshipped uh, to other countries and then imported into the United States. Other countries don't always have the same health standards that we have. And there have been a lot of scary things found in, in imported honey. And so one, one way to kind of bring it closer to home and take that first step towards guaranteeing it's a better product, in addition to supporting domestic agriculture, is making sure that it's a domestic product. And you do that by really studying the label. Because it says USDA grade A does not mean it's from the United States. Um, you can get USDA grade A certification from an imported product. It it also, uh, you know, read read the country of origin on it and study the bottle really hard because often country of origin is printed in tiny black letters somewhere on the plastic jar or on the lid. That's really hard to see. So really study that label. The next thing is you want to make sure it's it doesn't say honey syrup or honey blend or honey flavored syrup. Those are all just corn syrup with a little bit of honey in them. Imitation honey, sugar-free honey, none of those are actually honey. So you want to make but, sure it says, sure. Are, are there some honeys too that just say honey that also have corn syrup added? Not legally, but it's not uncommon. <laughs> so if it just says honey, it's supposed to be 100% honey. Uh, now, that doesn't mean that some some honey still doesn't have some syrup in it. And that leads perfectly into the next step you should be taking as a consumer. And that's really getting to know the company you're buying honey from. And these days, that's not that hard to do with social media. You know, most companies have social media profiles, et cetera. And what I encourage consumers to do is get to know your honey company. Go to their social media and take a look at their pictures, take a look at their social media streams. And if they're beekeepers, that's gonna be all over their page. They're gonna have pictures of them working their bees, pictures of their extraction process, et cetera, et cetera. It's gonna become really evident really quickly that they're an actual beekeeping company. And that's a real way to be assured that at least it's coming from a real beekeeper and a real farm. And hopefully over time, you can build that relationship. We've built thousands of relationships with our customers. We've done open houses, inviting them out to the farm. We do a lot of education of consumers to show them where the product comes from. And that's ideally what you want to land on is that true farm to table uh, relationship where you can build trust in, in those products. And there's a certification too on real honey? There are, there are a few. Um, you know, most of them are certifications for imported honey, unfortunately. There aren't many okay. United States certifications for for honey. One other quick thing I would add is that you with honey, just like with olive oil or fish, you get what you pay for. And so if you're going and you're getting the 99 cent jar of honey or the $2 jar of honey, you get what you pay for. Uh, you know, real true honey that's being processed correctly 
isn't terribly cheap. Just like maple syrup, right? I mean, true maple syrup is sure. expensive versus a corn syrup blend is, is very cheap. And so if you're just always grabbing the cheapest honey off the shelf, you're probably going to get what you're paying for. And for those of us who are following the SCD, it's more than just, you know, if you're just buying something for some sweet flavor and you don't really care, though, that that's a different type of person. But for those of us on the SCD, we are doing our bodies actual harm very possibly mm -hmm. if mm -hmm. we're not using the real thing. And th that's such an important thing for everyone to realize and to research. Absolutely. And just to make it even more scary... You had mentioned scary things that can show up in, in that can not necessarily do, but that can show up in imported honeys. What types of scary things are those? So there, there have been some studies that have found antibiotics, uh, heavy metals, um, all different types of syrups: rice syrups, corn syrups, sugar beet syrups, um, medications that pesticides you know the list goes on uh, as you know as you as you get into testing and that is one other thing you can do when you when you buy a honey from a company you can email that company and ask for uh analysis that they've done of their honey and say hey can you send me an analysis of you know this here here's the lot number on the jar can you send me the analysis of that lot number and they should be able to send you an analysis of it and oh that's interesting and that, yeah and so don't don't be afraid to ask questions and push and and dig deeper and the company should be forthright about that and ready to share um or make sure you're only buying from a company that you really know and trust what does raw and unfiltered mean great question so i'll, I'll give you two answers one there is no legal definition of raw or unfiltered is kind of like whole wheat, <laughs> you know. Uh, you know, we kind of all have a, an assumption of what that means, but there's some, or, or a better example would probably probably be the word natural. Well, what what exactly does natural mean? So raw and unfiltered. Keep in mind as you're buying honey that there is no legal definition. So it's important. Again, it goes back to that trust and asking questions and asking the company you're buying from what does raw and unfiltered mean to you. So back from that, kind of what, what is an industry accepted definition of that? You know, raw honey would be a honey that hasn't been heated to a temperature that's going to, or in a way that's going to greatly damage the nutrients found in honey. You know, a, a lot of companies really work to extend the shelf life of honey. Not that honey goes bad, but it can granulate and consumers don't usually like it when it kind of go solid on the shelf. It's perfectly natural for honey to granulate or become solid over time. It, and it's perfectly edible. All you have to do is warm it a little bit and reheat it or just eat it granulated. But consumers don't like seeing that on the shelf in America. In most other countries, that's the only way honey is sold is in that solid form because that's just, you know more natural and naturally reverts to that. In the US, you can extend that shelf life or extend that liquid period by heating it to really high temperatures for long periods of time, it it extends the shelf life. And so it also damages the nutrients in it though. So, you know, with our company, one thing we say is, you know, we we make sure we test it frequently for the enzymes and the nutrients found in it before, after warming. Uh, we, we You have to gently warm it to get it into a bottle. 
because it's very thick otherwise. So you've got to gently warm it, that we don't warm it much above what it would naturally get in a beehive and testing is done before and after to make sure those nutrients aren't harmed. So the company should be doing that if they're saying it's raw. Unfiltered is along the same lines. A lot of honey in the stores is highly filtered. It's filtered basically what, what often is done is uh, they will mix sand or diatomaceous earth with liquid honey into kind of a bit of a slurry. And then they will filter out all that sand or diatomaceous earth. And what happens is all the pollens, all the nutrients, any particle clings to that sand and diatomaceous earth. So when they filter it out, you're kind of left with, it's still honey, but it doesn't have all the nutrients and the pollens naturally found in an unfiltered honey. So that's why, you know, you really want an unfiltered honey that still has all those pollens, all those nutrients in it. And again, that's usually done because they want to extend the shelf life. If you've got tiny pollen granules in it, it's going to granulate faster. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as a consumer, when you see that honey granulating after six months on your shelf, a lot of consumers throw it away and say, it's bad. We don't want to buy that brand anymore. In reality, you should be going, wow, that's the brand I want because <laughs> it means it's not, they're not processing it too much. So, um, and, and every honey granulates at different speeds. Some take a year naturally, some take a month naturally, but it shouldn't go years, you know, without granulating. So that that's, you know, Filtration is not a good thing. It pulls out those nutrients. Uh, now, straining. Straining is usually more accepted because straining is what we do as a company. It's basically like filtering it through a coarse piece of cloth to get any large chunks of beeswax or bees knees or large particles that you don't want in your honey out. But it leaves all the pollens, all the nutrients, et cetera. They pass right through that, that very coarse straining cloth. Excellent. That's really good information. Now, all right. So someone's sitting at home and they have a jar of honey in their cupboard and they're wondering if it's real honey or not, but they don't necessarily want to wait to see if it crystallizes. <laughs> Are there right. any tests a person can do now to honey to see if it might be the good stuff? You know, I'm so glad you asked that because there's a lot, you know, if you go to YouTube or do some searching online, there's all sorts of uh and, you know, testing, you know, you can burn it, you put it in water and swish water over it. Yeah. You know, you, there, there's a million tests. Unfortunately for the consumer, none of those have any scientific basis whatsoever. None of them work. Um, so there actually is no test you can do at home to show if it's the real deal or not. The only thing I would offer that you could try beyond getting to know the beekeeper, doing your research around the company, reading the label carefully. You know, you can do things like hold it up to the light. Is it crystal clear, you know, with no particles in it whatsoever? When you take the lid off, is the is the little bit of foam on the top crystal clear with no particles? If it's too clean, I'm a little concerned. <laughs> you know, I want to see kind of like the, you know, we know mashed potatoes are real when you've got a little bit of potato peel with them. You know, honey's <laughs> similar. You know, I I kind of want to see some stuff in my honey. Not I'm not looking to see massive floaties and chucks everywhere, but I I do want to see, you know, I want to see some some pollen granules and I want to see a little bit of debris in it. And and that's one way to visually tell that okay, this hasn't been ultra filtered, uh, most likely. That's interesting that all of the tests that they talk about online are 
not scientifically. It is. And, and, you know, we, we get contacted constantly saying, oh, you know, we did this test, we did that test. We've even, there have been studies done disproving those tests even to show that you, and a lot of them are faulty because, you know, there are hundreds of varieties of honey just in the U.S. Each flower produces a unique color, taste, texture, viscos- and viscosity of, of honey. And so there's just too many variables um, in there. You know, you can have a honey that's really watery and a honey that's incredibly thick, and they can all be real honey depending on where they came from in the United States. And uh, and they all react differently kind of in those homemade tests. Hearing that makes me want to go to a honey tasting, kind of like a wine tasting. I just yes. want <laughs> someone to line up a whole bunch of different kinds of honey for me to taste. It's amazing. I, I don't know that I've tasted that many different types mm. in my lifetime. I've gone to some farmer's markets where they'll have di- various types. Um, mm. <laughs> nine times out of ten, I can't taste them because they're doing it with bread, and I can't have that <laughs> oh, on no. the SCD, and I yes. can't have it because I'm very gluten intolerant. But right. um that really, uh, you know, people don't always realize how many different flavors and colors of honey there are. It's countless varieties, like you said, hundreds. It is. And it's a shame because, you know, most people grew up buying just the plain old cheap honey in the grocery store that's just kind of a really light golden color. And, you know, major, major companies, what they do, major packaging companies take honey from all over the country, blend it all together to kind of create a uniform single taste and uniform single color that they feel is most popular with consumers. And that's all they sell. And that's all most people have had. And that's just not how real honey actually is. It it can go from black to white in color. It can go from, you know, a, a bitterly strong taste to almost no taste at all in every range in between. And so, you know, you, I prefer a little bit dark. I don't like the black honey, but like the honey we sell is kind of an amber in color and it's got a much more robust taste when you taste it. You're like, oh, this this tastes different than what I'm used to. And, and so, yeah, there, there's so much variety out there. I have to say that I have been using your honey for quite a while now. And what he's saying is true. I The flavor is amazing. I I went to... This was before COVID. I went to a friend's house and we were having tea and she put out some honey and it was good honey. It was it was real stuff. And I took a little spoonful of it before I put it in my tea. And I didn't realize until that moment just the complexity of flavor. It's mm. like having really good wine and then you go back to drinking the cheap <laughs> stuff and you taste it and it's like, oh my gosh. I can't even believe the difference. So, <laughs> well, yeah, I, I have pass. to put, I, I mean, will, I will, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I will pass those kind words on to our bees. They will appreciate that. Oh, they're, they're thank you. I, I hope flavor. they enjoy it. And tell them they're welcome to come on the podcast anytime. I will tell them like. that. <laughs> so you hear a lot, and especially in some of the forums that I'm on, you know, where where's the best place to buy honey? What do you do? Where do you go? And you hear again and again that it's really important to buy local honey. I think a lot of times mm. it's for allergies, but mm-hmm. just in general, should people seek out local honey first? Such a good question. So I, I'm I'm not there's no right and wrong answer there. I'm I'm a big believer in supporting your your local economy, supporting the local businesses, supporting local beekeepers. And so I would never mm-hmm. discourage someone, even though we're a, a honey company and we sell and ship nationwide, you know, I would I would encourage you first, go find that local beekeeper if you can and support them. 
So I, I would say that should be your first step. You know, the local farmer's market, you know, beekeeping as a hobby has exploded in the past 10 years. There are local beekeepers everywhere. So that should be your first step. If that doesn't work or if they don't have a consistent supply or something, then the next step is find a company you can trust. Now, as far as local honey itself goes and the the pros and cons beyond supporting your local economy, the, the, the only real added possible benefit that most consumers look for is trying to help with allergies. Now, all the vitamins and nutrients and amino acids and everything else found in real raw honey applies no matter where you got it from in the country. The, what kind of allergies the, before you continue? Great. What yeah, kind of allergies? Good question. So uh, I'm going to preface this with there is there is no scientific study proving that honey helps with allergies. Now, there are lots of people that take it for that and swear by it. So the concept is that if you're ingesting small amounts of what you're allergic to, then it will help build an immunity over time and help with your allergies. Now, if you're allergic to cats or dogs or dust or any other number of things, it's not going to help because you're not ingesting that. You're you're only it's only going to help if you're actually allergic to the specific flowers those bees are foraging on as they're producing that honey and in the correct time of year. The other quick myth I want to debunk is that honey has to be you know, within, say, a 30-mile radius of your home. Pollen travels a long, long, long way. And, and you know, I, you know, I often encourage people to get honey from your region, you know, multi-state region even, because the wind carries pollen hundreds of miles. And so, you know, just getting it 30 miles away doesn't necessarily mean if it helps with your allergies in the first place, that it's going to do what you hope it will do. Because again, those pollens travel vast, vast distances. That's very interesting. So local honey is absolutely encouraged, first of all, for the economy and helping the locals out. It's good to know that where the people can go elsewhere if they need. One thing that I always keep in mind when I'm buying honey, and I like to buy local also, I really Fantastic. enjoy that. Me too. <laughs> yes. Um, but I, cost is also a factor for me. Right. And buying in bulk for me, when I buy honey from you, I'm buying it a gallon at a time, especially mm. since it lasts forever. I don't have to worry about it, but I right. go through it very quickly. Um, so if someone wanted to, they could even buy local for their allergies, if that's something they believe in and they want to use. But if they wanted it in bulk because they're doing a lot of baking, whatever, um, it might be more cost effective to buy it in bulk from someone like yourself. Uh, what is it that yeah. you're charging for a gallon of honey right now? Do you mind if I ask? So, yeah, right now we vary a bit depending on the time of year, but we're usually in the $50 range with free shipping. So okay. it's, it's pretty economical for that much honey, really. And and I, I love what you said, and I encourage it too. You know, certainly buy that local jar of honey. And yeah, if, if it you may not be able to afford a local gallon. <laughs> and, and the reason we're able to be cost effective is we actually manage thousands of beehives. So we're producing a lot of real honey, but we're selling it directly. You know, very, very few companies left do that. Most beekeeping companies, and a lot of people don't realize this, most beekeeping companies produce honey, put it in a barrel, and sell it to a packaging company. Packaging companies then put it, process it however they do, and put it in a bottle and take it to 
retailer. So, you know, most people go to the grocery store and assume that every time they pick up a jar, it's coming directly from a beekeeper. That is not simply not the case for the vast majority of companies. It's there's a very clear distinction. Most companies are either beekeepers or food manufacturers. And so there are some, but we're we're one of the few left that actually do both. And so we kind of cut out the middleman there. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. It's able Good to, to be know. a little more affordable. Mm-hmm. Good to know. That's that's a question I want to ask you. And I think I remember reading something about it on your website. You're doing the the packaging, the processing, the delivery, the whole bit right now. And hopefully this will be short-lived and in no time it won't be a big issue anymore. But right now, covid you know, mm-hmm. is everywhere. And what are you doing in your packaging and processing and shipping processes to help protect people? Yes, a lot. You know, it's it's as with everyone everywhere, it's changed everything. You know, we anyone who works in our office has been working from home for since March, you know, and so the only people we have on site are people that have to be there to package honey. And so our beekeeping crew and, you know, our beekeeping crew still has to keep the bees, but it's all thankfully outdoors and that really helps. And so we're able to keep working our bees uh, safely outdoors with our beekeeping crew, our crew that packages and ships our honey. You know, we've had to do go to temperature checks, testing, social distancing indoors, mask wearing all the time, uh, sanitation measures. You know, we we've shut. We have a store on our farm. We've had to shut that down. So yeah, we we've taken you know extensive steps. You know, nightly sanitizing of everything. And I'm I'm thankful to say so far, no one in our company has has gotten COVID yet. So so far, wow. so good. We've we've been very successful in in. The, our, the caution so far. <laughs> From your mouth to God's ears, as they say, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I just want to mention, this show is probably going to air in 2021. So when Blake is talking about March, he's referring to March of 2020. So you went Thank into you, yes. doing all of the practices very early on, because that's really, it was March of 2020 when things really became correct. Correct. The real deal as far as that goes. And, and Good being to know. in food, being in food, we tend to be incredibly cautious with anything that has to do with food safety or health. So sure. yeah, we're, we sure. try to be early adopters to any of that. Very good. Uh, if I'm, if I have a recipe that calls for sugar, what ratio should I use if I want to substitute honey for sugar? Is there any rule of thumb? Absolutely, there is, and I, I've got a little cheat sheet that I, I pulled up here to, just for this, <laughs> just in case. Oh, you and ask if you could, if there's a way to share a copy of that, even I um, absolutely can. I can, I can share that. It's okay. It's really simple. You know, it, it really only applies largely to baking. You know, if you're using honey for a glaze or a marinade or in a drink, you know, it. it you often do it to taste. Now, with baking, if 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 a recipe calls for one cup of sugar, you're going to use about two thirds a cup of honey. So you can actually use less with honey. So convert one cup of sugar to two thirds a cup of honey. Then you wanna reduce the liquids in the recipe by a fourth of a cup because you're adding a lot more liquid with honey. So reduce liquids by a fourth of a cup and then finally add a half a teaspoon of baking soda. And there you go. And one other quick little tip that I love when I'm to use when I'm baking with honey is honey's really sticky and I hate wasting it. And so mm-hmm. if I'm using a measuring cup, I quickly spray it with some olive oil and then put the honey in. And then when you dump it, 100% of the honey slides right out. So 
you don't have to waste and any that, of that hard money by the bees. <laughs> That is awesome. I, I actually do the same. I put a little coconut oil usually on the inside. Yes. I can't use Perfect. the spray stuff because I don't know that it's SCD legal, but any type mm. of pure SCD legal Absolutely. oil, just a small smear on the inside and it comes out yes. so much easier. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And so the ratio then, all right, so you said one cup sugar, you would use two thirds cup honey. You reduce the liquid by one fourth. And then you want to add one half teaspoon baking soda for every cup sugar that it's called for. Exactly. You got it. You got it. All right. So you just need to do the math going forward to figure the ratios with that. Uh, but that is good to know. Thank you so much. Absolutely. All right. So tell me if this is true or not. I have read that if you take a little honey before bed, it's it helps you sleep. Is that an old wise so, tale? You know, I, obviously, I'm going to say that's true. <laughs> uh, no, but there's actually a there's a really good book out there. Um, a, a, a guy that I I happen to know wrote it, and it's called the Hibernation Diet, and it's a fascinating mm. read. and And he's a doctor, and he has a lot of really fascinating studies that show honey helping with sleep, and even he has a method of weight loss by taking honey before bed. And it, really? it basically provides it's a honey is honey is a, a brain fuel. And so it keeps it keeps the brain running and burning calories throughout the night. It's, it's a fascinating read. I won't I won't get into all of it. But there there is quite a bit of studies uh done out there that that indicate honey could really help with sleep. And it's a great thing to take a little bit before bedtime. And a good, and the book again is The Hibernation Diet. What is the author's name? Right. Uh, Ron is his name. And I will have to, we'll have to put the last name in the show notes because I'll kill it I'll find every it. time I try to pronounce it. <laughs> Everybody just go to the show notes to find it. And as a reminder, everyone, go to scd4me.com. Don't try to find it on the Apple Podcaster. Now Amazon has podcasts. They don't always include all of the stuff that we podcasters include in the show notes. So go directly to the source. You're going to get the link there. No worries. But I will find that. I'm going to read it. I'm going to order Fantastic. that probably today. Wonderful. Well, now that you mentioned that, it makes me wonder how what other medicinal advantages honey has. I mean, there really are some real, true, pure reviewed scientific studies that right. have shown that the, yes. honey has medicinal value. Talk to us a little bit about yeah, that. Yeah, I'd love to. There are new ones coming out every day. And that's what I, I, I get so excited about is, you know, we, we always have to be careful when you make unverified health claims. And and I could, I could give you a list a, a mile long on things that people use honey for that we think really does work because there's thousands of people that use it successfully. Um, I can focus today on the ones that are actually peer reviewed and and that we, we can talk about as working. And some of those are incredibly exciting. They, a study recently found that honey was more, uh, more successful at cough, at suppressing coughs than any cough syrup on the market. And so, just pure honey is an incredible cough suppressant. And now, now you see on the shelf, since that study came out, there's an increasing number of quote-unquote cough syrups coming out that are pretty much just honey, <laughs> uh, marked up <laughs> times 100, uh, to, to 
because it's a great cough suppressant. So that was one really neat one. Honey is a prebiotic. And so it's what your probiotics in the gut live off of. And so honey is a natural prebiotic, which is really amazing. And honey is incredible at wound care and burn care. It's it's There's a lot of wound care products coming out now that are saturated with honey. And there you can even see now there's major brands of Band-Aids with honey saturated in them instead of antibacterial cream, for example. And a lot of studies are showing that uh, honey is faster and better than a lot of creams and antibiotic creams at healing burns, healing wounds, etc. And I've, I've used that my whole life. You know, when I when I get a cut, um, I'll often put some honey on it and put a Band-Aid over it, and it heals infinitely faster than than other wow. products. Yeah, and uh, and and so. Uh, we're doing a lot of studies with the National Honey Board. There's a lot of studies going on right now that are I, I'm really excited about. And one of the big ones is honey and gut health, which I'm so interested to see where that goes. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. We're doing now, a lot I can of tell studies. you right now, everyone's ears, everyone's ears <laughs> I know. Is just perked up. Because right. Because we're all about so, gut health here. Exactly. So, I mean, we we know it's a prebiotic and that's that's exciting, but we're, we're digging into exactly how we know it helps. Uh, but we're trying to find exactly where and how much, et cetera. And so hopefully those studies will be coming out mid-2021 that get a little deeper into exactly how honey does help with gut health. You'll have to come back um, on the show when the studies I'd come out. To. Do not I'd forget, love to. Yeah, please contact out. me. We'll do a full show Absolutely. on Absolutely. Yeah, and, and they're also doing a lot of studies, and there's a lot of indicators that honey can be really helpful uh, with boosting the immune system and even helping with respiratory issues, that it's a great respiratory aid. So there's a lot there, a lot going on that is being delved into deeply with honey. It's one of those products that we've known for a hundred years, has a, a ton of medicinal benefits and properties, and it's slow going the research sometimes, you know, because there's there's not uh, there's not a whole lot of money to be made necessarily. Uh, with such a natural product when you come to, you know, big pharma companies. So, okay. uh, but we're getting there. We're getting there. It's 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 pretty neat to see the things that are emerging about honey. That is exciting. It reminds me too of something that has become increasingly popular over recent years. Now, this is, I think, either from New Zealand or Australia. It's called Manuka honey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, People are using that for some health purposes. Can you tell us a little bit about Manuka honey, where it's sold, what what's special about it? I, I don't know a lot about it. I haven't done right. any research on it. Great, great question. Yeah, so the Manuka honey primarily comes from New Zealand, and I, I've, I've been there and talked to the New Zealand beekeepers and tasted all the different honeys, and, and uh, it's it's a plant that is, that's pretty unique to New Zealand. There's a little bit in Australia but largely that Manuka plant just grows in New Zealand. And it has one special thing, essentially, and it's we call it the Manuka factor. It is the special property found in the Manuka honey. And the Manuka honey industry, it, it has become a billion-dollar industry for the New Zealand beekeeping world. And it's because it's such a rare honey, Manuka honey, and the only place that Manuka factor is found is in Manuka honey. And so they charge an amazing amount for it. I mean, it's many, many times the cost of normal, say, U.S. honey. 
And it, it doesn't taste great, in my opinion, <laughs> if I'm being honest. It's got a, it's a bit of an acquired taste. Uh, so it's not something you're just going to be spreading on your toast in the morning. And the, the, there's a variety of health claimed health benefits, but the ones I've seen that are most interesting to me and, and ones I know that doctors often recommend is for folks that are on chemo, um, the cancer patients, uh, especially if they're taking chemotherapy, that Manuka honey can be a good thing and that unique Manuka factor can help overcome some of the effects of chemo and help be a bit of an immune system boost uh, for for And again, this patients. is something that's been that's been studied scientifically looked at with some data. There are studies huh? done. I don't believe it's a it's a peer-reviewed uh, it's not a health claim that can be made, uh, but there's a lot of anecdotal evidence and there are some studies that seem to indicate that. So, Interesting. you know, I, as with a lot of things, there's a lot of, uh, you know, you always have to to determine what's hype and what's legitimate. And, uh, you know, I, I often tell folks that Manuka honey is interesting <laughs> and uh, it's not a bad thing to buy a jar and try it. Uh, I, I've not seen enough convincing studies that show it's really that much better than a, you know, a great raw and filtered domestic honey. Um, unless with the exception of maybe the cancer, cancer. Patient, you know, okay. right, right. So, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't encourage the everyday consumer to just go start switching to Manuka honey. Um, and, 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 and we, we could sell and we looked at selling Manuka honey as a company for a while and, and just decided not because we didn't, we didn't believe there was enough difference in the two to really justify, especially that price point. I'm going to jump back to when you were talking about honey as a cough suppressant. Do mm -hmm. you have a recipe or do you know of a source of a recipe for cough drops that would be SCD legal, which would basically be honey, water, or just or so, you would turn honey into something that's a hard candy, but it's just pure honey? Does that make sense? Yeah. You boil so, it and, and get it to... <laughs> Well, you could boil it. It would kill a lot of the properties of honey. Oh, yeah. If you got it that, if you got it that hot. So it, it is really hard to turn honey into a solid like that. Um, what I really recommend, I've done this my whole life, and and I, I've been, I, I occasionally get laryngitis. I'll get really sick, and I'll get laryngitis, and and I have a cough, and. Uh, I just take about a teaspoon of honey about every hour or two. And the, the great thing about honey is because it's so thick, it coats the inside of your throat. And and so I I've I take it very successfully successfully without having to turn it into a drop. Most of the drops have a lot of other things in them beyond honey. And so honestly, about a teaspoon of honey every hour or two, and it, it does a trick and it does a great job. And it's fun. <laughs> It delicious. tastes great too, <laughs> right? Exactly. Any, I, I've been at beekeeping any, conference. At, uh, go ahead, go ahead. You're good. No, go ahead. You've been at beekeeping oh, conference. Oh, I, I've been at uh, twice now. I've been at beekeeping conferences, which is a great place to come down with a call for laryngitis. Mm. Um, and I've I've had speaking engagements where I've got to speak in a day and a half, haven't been able to talk at all, have a horrible cough, and <clears throat> you know I'll send a text out to my friends at a beekeeping conference, and the next. 10 minutes, I've got 25 jars of honey up in the hotel room. <laughs> we all we all carry honey everywhere we go. And, uh, and you know, after about a day of a teaspoon of honey an hour, and, and I'm able to speak and not cough, and it's it's great. It, I've used it so many times. It's really obvious from hearing the joy in your voice that you 
truly love and have a passion for beekeeping. I mean, this is something that you fell in love with when you were 12 years old. And it's probably only heightened since then because it is so, and I'm sure everyone listening can hear it. There's a lot of joy in your voice when you talk about all of this. (laughs) So talk to us a little bit about beekeeping. And I think one of the first things is beekeeping humane. Is harvesting Mm. honey from bees good or bad for bees? You know, it's such a good question because it was a study came out uh, last year, and the number one question, uh, the number one concern that cons- food consumers had about all food. So this was a study, and this study asked consumers unprompted, "Hey, what are you most concerned about with food and food supply chain?" And consumers' response was, "We're most concerned about bees." And the disappearing bees, and everyone's heard about the danger that bees oh. are in. So it is. We'll have to talk about that consumer. too. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, it, it's a very legitimate question to ask. You know, is is if if we're so concerned about bees as consumers, which we should be, you know, are bees being taken care of? Are they being treated humanely? Is it humane to take their honey and and eat it ourselves? And and so, you know, it's important to understand beekeeping. To under to, to answer that question and and you know I've I've been keeping bees since I was a little kid, and that I am passionate about bees and I care deeply about bees and and I can assure you that the vast majority of companies and beekeeping beekeeping companies in the United States, you know, there's never a more passionate group of people than a group of beekeepers and they literally spend their entire lives working and serving those bees and. You know, I, I I've met thousands of beekeepers. I I know almost all the commercial beekeepers in the industry, and uh, you know a lot of them are older ladies and gentlemen. And uh, you know they can be eighty years old, having taken care of bees since they were twelve years old, and their their backs are bent and their skin is worn, and they can't hardly walk anymore from all the hard work they've done. And there's always the sparkle in their eye when they talk about bees, and mm. it's a hard job. It's a hard, hard thing to keep bees alive and to work bees and to harvest honey. It's it's backbreaking, you know. Um, but they love it, and then that passion never dies. And and so it's really an art uh, more than more than a job, more than a career. Every commercial beekeeper who does it for a career will tell you, you must love bees to do this uh, because it's too difficult. It's too much of an art to do if you don't absolutely love it. And and so that's a as a rambling answer to your question, and that I can assure you that the industry cares very deeply about bees above anything. I've seen beekeepers uh, go bankrupt because <laughs> and because they didn't want to hurt their bees and and not oh. harvest, et cetera. And so you know what one thing we we do as a company, a lot of people do is we we always make sure our bees come first above profit above anything because it, even from a business perspective, if we lose our bees then we're out of business. You know, we can't sustain as a company if we harm our bees. Um, And so every effort is made always to take the absolute best care of bees. And that's the way we're going to get the greatest return too as beekeepers. If we take perfect care of them, they're going to produce even more honey. And we work very hard just to harvest a surplus and leave plenty for the bees to to take care of themselves over the winter and and bees do produce a surplus of honey you know they're not just producing a little bit and we take it all they actually produce way more than they can consume which is lucky for us 
and and then we just take the excess. But but our lives are spent taking care of bees, and and that's all we do, and that's often all we care about. <laughs> so uh, it's very humane, and it's done very carefully. And when you do buy local honey or American honey, you are supporting those beekeepers, and and in turn, those bees are pollinating, you know, directly one out of every three bites of food you take you eat, and indirectly. Uh, another bite. And so bees are responsible for up to two thirds of all the food that we consume. And so, uh, you know, we, we certainly owe a lot to them and we owe a lot to the beekeepers taking care of them. Well, that is such an important issue and it's become even more of one over the last however many years. So let's talk about that a little bit. Bees are dying at a greater rate. And if I'm not mistaken, they're dying at a greater rate in the United States than they are anywhere else in the world. Is that correct? What the uh, heck is going on? Yeah. <laughs> so great. It's a great question. And, it, and it's something that is very concerning. So about in about 2006, uh, we started noticing an uptick in the loss of our, our bees, a percentage lost per year. And it was called, it is called colony collapse disorder or the disappearing bees. And 2006 is kind of when it first broke in the news and the media. And, and since then, it's kind of been a constant issue where our loss rates often go up uh, every every single oops, sorry about that our our loss rates continue to go up but you know, last year the average annual loss rate was 44% so wow most beekeepers lost 44% of their beehives and you know you compare that with a couple decades ago and it was in the teens you know 15% or so lost per year so there's a variety of issues that are causing that. At first, we thought, well, maybe it's some issue that we haven't found yet. You know, maybe a new disease, a new pest, a new pesticide that we could never isolate one specific thing that was causing. It. And so it's widely agreed upon now that it's unfortunately a conglomerate of several issues hitting the beehives all at once. It's it's pesticides on the market that are being used in agriculture and even in homes. It's it's herbicides that are used widely. It's um, a less and there's less and less clean forage for the bees. So more and more land is being turned into home developments and uh, there's more urbanization. There's more monoculture crops being put in and uh, the weather's changing. Um, and there are some new diseases and pests that have come into the United States that are hurting bees. And kind of all those things are hitting the bees at once. And they just can't stand up to that much pressure. A lot of people say it's kind of like the canary in the coal mine, you know, and we're seeing the exact same thing happen with butterflies, you know, with native bees, with the European honeybee, you know, with with all these different pollinators that, that you know, we're seeing it with birds, we're seeing it with amphibians. And so we're, we're seeing that across all the things, the kind of creepy crawlies that, that are working the land, unfortunately. So it's not just bees. It's it's a wider, bigger issue, unfortunately, than than just beekeeping. What can people do to help? There's a there's a number of things. So you know, being aware helps and talking to lawmakers always helps. You know, we we frequently as an industry put forward bills to reduce the pesticides use that are harmful to bees and then supporting that is is always helpful 
other things on a very practical level would be buying that United States honey, you know, buying that locally produced honey, buying that U.S. honey. And that supports us as beekeepers. That helps us take better care of our bees. Uh, not using bee harmful uh, pesticides in your yard even helps. You know, I mean, tons of well, give people, me an millions. example. Give me an, give me an yeah. example of some bee harmful pesticides. So, you know, I know one, on. but I'll let you say. <laughs> <laughs> so cut down on your use of Roundup, uh, cut down on, uh, cut down on, you know, when you, when you buy plants, oftentimes now there'll be a little insert in them that say, uh, you know, this plant has been grown from a seed coated with a neonicotinoid, or this plant has been treated with a bee harmful pesticide. And so watch for those tags and don't buy those plants. We've, we've tried to put alerts on, uh, and that's something we've worked very hard as uh, with as an industry, is any pesticide that you buy should have an alert on it that says whether or not it's harmful to bees. So read the label. When you buy plants, look at the label. When you buy fertilizers, look at the label. When you buy pesticides, look at the label and see if it's got a bee warning on it and, and don't use it. The final thing I would recommend is consider taking up beekeeping and and you know oh, and we'll it, talk about that a little yes bit. i'd love to so c consider taking up beekeeping help support that bee population and uh and then you're going to be better educated and and educating those around you too and that way you don't have to worry about chickens if you, exactly <laughs> you can do it instead <laughs> of chickens go. like you did when you were there you go up. exactly um, exactly I on my uh, Facebook page for the Specific Carbohydrate Diet Podcast, I let people know that I was going to be interviewing you today. And Jeffrey Berger, who's the founder and the director of the Specific Carbohydrate Diet Association, had a number of good questions, many of which we've covered in today's show just by the, the questions we had come up with already. But I loved this one, and it just fits in perfectly with what we're talking about. How can a consumer be assured that local beekeepers are not using pesticides where bees are collecting honey? Yeah, such, that's a good question. Um, so there's a couple great ways to answer that. At one, I'll go back to the bees themselves. So Bees are amazing when it comes to avoiding pesticides as much as they possibly can. So when bees go out to gather nectar, which is what they make honey from, from flowers, they tend to avoid flowers that have been sprayed with pesticides. You know, a, a, a dramatic example of that was after the Chernobyl incident, you know, all forms of agriculture were corrupted by, uh, by the radiation. And the fascinating thing they found was that uh, honey wasn't uh, because the bees would not forage on flowers that had radiation on them. And so they would pick and choose the flowers that weren't contaminated. And that's where they would gather their honey. Wow. So bees work incredibly hard to produce a really pure honey uh, themselves. And so where we really get into trouble is with sprays and when homeowners or uh or in monoculture crops when there is mass spraying going on of pesticides and the bees themselves get sprayed. And then the bees go back into the beehive uh, with mm -hmm. that spray on them and can contaminate the honey. So, you know, it, major honey companies are supposed to be doing a lot of testing and making sure that, uh, you know, uh, there aren't pesticide levels in 
in honey and so companies like ours or others yeah we are testing heavily to make sure it's it's safe and clean local beekeepers can't really do that um they're not going to be able to afford the testing that 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 we do and other companies do so what i would do when you're buying local honey is i would just talk to the beekeeper and if you're if you're buying a really local honey you're probably going to have the opportunity to interact with that beekeeper and I would chat with them about where their bees are located and where are their bees foraging for that honey. And, you know, is it is it in a area with a tremendous amount of monoculture crops? Um, is it in an area where there's a lot of spraying that goes on or, or not? Uh, how are they taking care of their bees? You know, are they putting a lot of chemicals into the hive? And it kind of goes back to that relationship of, of beekeeper and, and consumer on a, on a really local level. But in general, in general, and there, there's been a lot of testing done, even of local honeys versus larger honeys. And I don't know if there's a single incident that level dangerous levels were ever found of, of anything in honey. The other amazing thing is honey, honey is incredibly antibacterial and honey does itself does an incredible job at uh, killing things <laughs> that, that are harmful. So the bees do a really good job of watching out for it the bee's own body filters the honey and then honey itself has a lot of those properties. So it is considered often the safest food product in existence. Um, wow. It's just, it's such a safe food product. So, you know, when we're talking about, oh, pesticides and honey or these things in honey on a local level, it's never typically going to be at a dangerous level. It, it It's, it's, you know, it's not going to hurt you, but if you're worried about the micro level of something, that's where testing can can be helpful. So I, that's a bit of a. There's not a really great clear answer. Oh, just do this, and it's not a concern. Um, but that's some information that'll hopefully be a bit helpful. What does it take to be able to label a honey non-GMO? So it it can it can be done. So it's 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 tricky. Uh, it, it, in the United States, you can label honey uh, non-GMO. Um, the The challenge really comes in when uh, you you it, <laughs> it's really complex. I'm trying to think of the best way to explain <laughs> it. Uh, the uh, The challenge is is you know it's easy with say corn for example. Well, corn has been genetically modified, and so it's GMO corn or it isn't. Well, honey, you can't GMO honey. You can't genetically modify honey. And so the question that's very debated at the moment is if bees forage on a plant that was genetically modified and take nectar from it and mix it with other nectars and turn it into a honey, that's definitely not GMO honey. Um, a small percentage of the original ingredient will, could have been from a GMO plant. So there's a lot of debate in, you know, about whether or not even to allow GMO certification with honey because they don't consider honey even to be able to be genetically modified. Um, and they're not even sure that it counts as an, a, if they forage from that plant, they're not even sure if that even counts as like an ingredient, if you will. So, sure. you know, essentially there's not a great certification for it right now. They don't really know, the certifying bodies don't really know exactly how to treat honey. Um so uh, you know, not great, not a great answer to your question, but it's well, no, it's but it is, it is, it's it, it's very, it, and what you said 
before that about honey being antibacterial and all of the information that you gave us before kind of plays into this as well. So it, it sure, helps sure. lower the level of concern from some people on what really might be going in as far as um, genetically right. modified plants and all of that. Absolutely. And, so, and just so to you, make people feel a little bit better, some of the, a lot of the major, well, actually the vast majority of nectar producing plants that we make surplus honey off of in the United States are wildflowers and naturally growing plants. So the vast majority of honey produced in the U.S. does not come from crops. You know, the vast majority is from wildflowers, wild trees, wild growing clover on the prairies, et cetera. So very, very minuscule amounts overall are actually coming from uh genetically modified could eat, could even come from genetically modified plants so you talked a little bit about how beekeeping is becoming more and more of a hobby these days mm-hmm. and it's not mm-hmm. just because people's parents are trying to discourage them from raising chickens <laughs> it's because they're right. just deciding to first of all why do you think beekeeping is becoming a more popular hobby and secondly what should someone do if they want to become a beekeeper even if Great it's just question. for their own personal consumption. Yeah, I, you know, I couldn't encourage it enough. I mean, it it is, it, without a doubt, one of the most fascinating hobbies you could ever pick up in, in your lifetime. I mean, it's, we could talk all day long about amazing bee facts and things you'll see in beehives. You know, one bee only produces a twelfth of a teaspoon of honey in her entire life. You know, queen bee lays 2,000 eggs per day, more than her own body weight. Um you know, I mean, it, it goes on and on and on. So um, I think one of the reasons that there's such a surge in interest is partially because of that colony collapse disorder that we talked about earlier. And bees are more in the news over the past 15 years than they ever were in the past. So people are aware and concerned and interested. And and so that certainly helps uh, with, with, you know, folks getting into it as a hobby. You know, things like COVID, you know, have also affected it. A survey came out recently that said 2% of the entire U.S. population is interested in getting into beekeeping, which is actually kind of a huge number. 2% doesn't sound like a lot, but that's actually, you know, that's over 6 million people, um, which is huge. So as people are concerned about their food, where their food comes from, uh, concerned about sustainability, concerned about all those things, getting into things like keeping their own bees uh, is is top of mind. And it can be done in a suburban backyard. You know, you can put a beehive anywhere on a rooftop. Uh, do, you have rooftop to have, do you have to have a license to do that with the city or the town that you live in? You don't in most cases, no. Uh, most HOAs have a limit of the number of hives you can have in your backyard, uh, but that's about it. So it's wow. easily accessible. You can put it in a small area. Uh, bees are actually typically quite gentle. One of the things we do with our company, Texas Bee Supply, is we actually have a breed of bee called a Golden Cordovan, and it's the gentlest breed in the United States, and it's incredibly gentle. And so it can be done in a backyard. It can be done out in the country. It's, it's widely accessible to a lot of folks. So that's one of the reasons I think a lot of people are interested in it. You know, as, as far as how to get into it, if you're interested in getting into beekeeping, you know, there's a number of ways. And again, I would say you you can certainly go local. And most regions in the United States 
have several local beekeeping clubs that you can join and become a part of and 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 learn and uh, we we just started doing something because of all the interest after covid we we have a fully virtual option especially with covid and not being able you know folks can't go to bee club meetings with covid and uh, folks can't uh, go to in person classes we mean in one of the organizations you belong to or your um, particular so, website so no this is this is actually uh, through our we i also have a beekeeping supply company where we help people get into beekeeping. And so we actually sell the bees themselves, we sell the equipment and we have classes. And it's, it's called Texas, but it's just cause that's where we started it was in Texas, but we are nationwide. And uh, we actually created a fully virtual option. So we have a multi-hour course that I actually teach. Um, and it's a lot of us video. We actually go out into the bees in the video, et cetera. And so you can take this six hour beginning beekeeping course completely online. And, and then we have packages where you can, you can pick all, we walk you through what you need to get started in beekeeping. And then you can have all the equipment and even the bees themselves shipped right to your front door. Wow. And so you can take the class, everything shows up at your doorstep and you can be a beekeeper with a few clicks of a button. Wow. Is it, exp- it I'm, I'm, I'm just, in general, is beekeeping mm-hmm. a very expensive hobby? Well, I guess it depends on how you compare it to other hobbies, <laughs> you know, c- compared to, uh, you know, compared to some is quite inexpensive, uh, but compared to others, it can be pricey. So, you know, like, like a lot of hobbies, there's a, wa- a range of options. You know, you, you could, you could spend thousands of dollars or you could spend, you know, a few hundred dollars and get started. Okay. So, um, you know, if you, it, it's, it's achievable to get started for, you know, I'm going to say uh, less than 500 bucks if you want wow. to get all, all in, you know, and the, everything you need on the really cheap end. And you could go up, you know, to a few thousand dollars if you wanted to, depending on how many beehives mm-hmm. you wanted to get and how advanced you wanted to go. That's interesting. You know, I never thought I would want to research beekeeping more, but after talking to you, I really, <laughs> if nothing else, I just want to know more about it. It's it's Absolutely. fascinating. What is the best way for people to contact you if they want to look into your products, if they want to look into your classes? Of, to give us all the links. Yeah, I so appreciate that. I think thanks for letting me share that. So, if you want honey, so if you're interested in in look, taking a look at our honey, my story, then you can go to desertcreekhoney.com. That's desert with one s, like a hot, dry desert. Creekhoney.com. You can also just. Google Blake Shook Beekeeper and and it'll come up. Um, That's B L A K E S H O O K. There you go. Thank right? you. And so, if you're interested in the honey, uh, that you can go to that website. If you're interested in getting started in beekeeping, then take a look at TexasBeeSupply.com, and we have an amazing amount of uh, resources there from an education standpoint and a supplies standpoint. We have free monthly webinars. We have the uh, virtual class that I just told you about. If you're near one of our physical branches, we have in-person classes, et cetera. So if you're interested in getting started in beekeeping, check out texasbeesupply.com. What are other good resources for consumers if they're interested in learning more about honey and bees? There are a lot. So I would recommend honey.com. And that's the National Honey Board website. That's an organization I'm a part of. And they have a 
thousands of recipes and facts about honey and cooking with honey, uh, cooking videos. You know, if you like uh, all the cooking videos you see on social media these days, we have a lot of those about cooking with honey. And so if you're if you're cooking, baking, if you want to learn how to use honey in brewing or making honey wines or uh, anything mead. to do with honey and food, mead, yes. If you yeah. want anything to do with food and honey, go to honey.com and it's all there. We also have a honey locator on there. Uh, to locate local honey near you. Oh, that's cool. And absolutely. And then... It's funny uh, that you mentioned that because I I was referring to Jeffrey Berger earlier in one of his posts on my Facebook page. He mentioned that too. So that must be one of his favorite places to go. It's it's a great resource. And then if you're just interested in maybe signing up for a a newsletter, let's say, maybe if you're not interested in personally getting into beekeeping, but you want to see what's going on in the industry, you can go to the American Beekeeping Federation website. It's abfnet.org. And uh, we've got a few different signups there where you can just kind of sign up and see what's going on in the beekeeping world. And uh, and you can also go to the texasbeesupply.com and we have a sign up for a newsletter there and that'll also keep you updated on what's happening in the in the bee world. Well, that can keep people busy for a long time. I hope so. <laughs> Fantastic. This has been wonderful. I uh, There's a little secret I want to share about you and your health, if you don't mind. But before go I go into that, before I go into that, is there anything that I should have asked you that you would like to answer? Anything you know, else I think you can think of? I think, I think we've covered some great topics <laughs> okay. here. So I, if people have more questions, you're welcome to reach out to me anytime. But I, I think... I think it's been great. This is something that I know our listeners are going to appreciate. Uh, When we were prepping for this interview, you mentioned that you have Crohn's disease, Mm -hmm. right? Right, right. I had no idea. When I I contacted you, it was just because of the love and passion that I have acquired for your company and the respect from everything that I've learned and what you do with your company. And I knew you would be the right person to talk to our listeners. But I had no idea. So when you said you had Crohn's, it was like, what? Oh, my gosh. This interview was meant to be and meant to be for a couple of reasons. One, because, sadly, you have Crohn's. I wouldn't want that to happen. But also, you've yet to try the specific carbohydrate diet, you told me. I know. Yes. Yeah. It's something I've, I've been fascinated by. You know, I was I shared with you, Lee, earlier, but I was diagnosed about five years ago now. And so I've had it about five years. And and. The specific carb diet was always on my radar, and uh, it's something that, honestly, I felt intimidated by uh, getting started. And so I've I've gone more of the traditional medicine route, and and thankfully it's been successful, and I'm I'm under control and have been in remission for a couple of years now. Um, but it's not something I want to be on long term and do long term. And so I, I I am very eager to continue listening to you and your podcast and to learning more and as I branch out and, and try it for myself. So so yeah, I've got a very personal interest in everything I'm talking about as well. Well in front of everyone I'm going to give you a challenge. I'm going to challenge you to give it a try and then Great. come back on the show at a future date and talk to us about the impact that it has or hasn't made on your life. And also, 
you'll have a really good idea then of even more recipes and things that you love that are <laughs> SED legal. Yes. Maybe share with us some of the tips and the things that you've learned with incorporating those into your life and how honey plays a part in that. I, I know we'd all enjoy it. I would love it. Uh, so there you go. Um, that sounds great. I, I I appreciate that challenge, and I, I can't wait to try it. And I'd love to come back and, and share uh, all that I've learned because that, that's something wonderful. that's been on my to-do list, and I appreciate the little nudge because I, I need to try it out. <laughs> can't wait. <laughs> can't help it. Can't help it. You know, it's just in me to try to do that with people, which is why I do the podcast. It's great. So thank it. you. Thank you most dearly. Uh, it's just been a joy talking to you today. It's been so much fun to hear about everything when it comes to beekeeping. They're just tons of things that none of us know about. Every time I use honey in the future, I'm going to have an even deeper appreciation for the food of the gods than I have in the past. We look forward to you coming back again soon, and stay healthy, please. Thank you so much. Stay well. I so appreciate it. Enjoy the SCD. There's lots of resources out there. Uh, call me anytime. And I will. for those of you who have questions about honey and bees, I'm happy to pass those along to Blake. So just email me at scdforme.com and I'll I'll get those to him and I'm sure he'll be happy to get back to you with any answers. Happy holidays. It'll be after the holidays once this airs, but I can't help but wish you the very, very best and we will talk to you again soon. Can't wait, Lee. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you for listening, and thank you for being here today. I hope you enjoyed the show. You can find me, Lee Bernstein, through my website at scdforme.com. Four is F-O-R. There's also links to other social media sites there if you'd like to connect with me on those. If you have questions, comments, suggestions for future shows, or if you have an SCD success story to share, write to me at leebernstein at scdforme.com. A reminder, I am not an SCD expert. Nothing on this show is ever intended as medical advice. Everybody's different. If you have questions about you and your body, always speak to your medical profession. In the meantime, I hope you'll always listen to your gut. I hope you'll stay happy, be well, and always be open to being everything life means for you to be. Take care.